Welcome to the NICU Today podcast, a podcast to give families a new point of support as they navigate the NICU journey. Thank you for listening. Please don't forget to subscribe wherever you enjoy your podcast and share this episode with anyone who might find it helpful. I'm so excited to welcome today's guest. Roxy Romeo is a radio veteran that can be heard in over 63 markets across the country, including Miami, Houston, Atlanta, and Detroit. Despite being a national talent, she makes her listeners feel like besties. I know she's going to make me feel like that today. (laughs) Roxy was born and raised in Miami, which is where she got her start in radio doing a Sunday morning 6 a.m. shift. Philadelphia is now her home base, and she is the co-host of one of the biggest morning shows in the city, the Rise and Grind Morning Show on Power 99. Roxy has received a number of accolades throughout her career, from being named one of the top 40 under 40 leaders of Today and Tomorrow by Legacy Magazine, the Silver State Awards Radio Talent nominee, a Team Hennessy honoree for her contributions to the culture, as well as being honored by social world networking professionals for making a difference in the community. Outside of radio, Roxy loves spending time with her family. I'm actually going to let her tell us a little bit more about what she loves doing today and to tell us more about her family. I will tell you that Roxy connected with Today is a Good Day after her family's personal journey through the neonatal intensive care unit. And she's here with us today to share more about her story. So welcome, Roxy. So glad to have you. Thank you. I am so happy to be here. Yeah. So tell us about your story. Um. So, so I am married. <laughs> I have two kids, um, both young. My son, Tristan, is going to be three in December. And my daughter, Zara, is going to be one in December. Um. So my son was a full-term baby. Um, my daughter is where I got to connect with today's a good day. So she was due, um, March 8th, 2023, but was born December 4th, 2022. Mm -hmm. Um, I, my water broke, um, it was 25 weeks. And of course I was completely shocked (laughs) and I made it about a week in the hospital before I had to go through an emergency C-section. Um, so my daughter was born December 4th and she was in the NICU for 93 days. And that is where I did learn about today's a good day. I received a care package while she was there and I just thought it was like the cutest thing. There were so many little, um, thoughtful things that were in there. And so I, tweeted like a picture. I texted a picture or on social media and I tagged you guys. And that's kind of where the connection started. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, we are grateful that we were able to connect with you and help to support you during your NICU stay. You know, it's overwhelming going into the NICU. So many of the listeners here of the podcast, the families that we interact with on a daily basis. I wanted to ask you, how did you feel when you ended up being in the NICU with your sweet miracle girl? Um, it was overwhelming. (laughs) Um, I felt like I was in this whirlwind. Um, and it, it, it did not feel real initially. Um, because I don't, to my knowledge, I don't have any preemies in my family. Um, I had zero knowledge about being in the NICU. Of course, I've heard of the NICU, but I don't, I, I didn't know anybody that ever had kids in the NICU. Um, So it was it was a lot, you know, and it all started with me still having to be in the hospital after an emergency C-section. Right. So Mm -hmm. 
Um, you know, I, I was bedridden for like 12 hours after I had my emergency C-section. My husband, um, you know, came, he got to see our daughter before I did. Um, and then when I was finally able to kind of walk, even though I was in so much pain, I walked down the hall to the NICU and I finally got to see her and I was able to hold her for the first time. And it was just, it was just really, really overwhelming to see how small she was mm -hmm. and to see her in this incubator with all of these wires and these, these, um, you know, tubes like in, in her. Um, and it took a very long time to be okay with that. Like, I think I, I was uh, released from the hospital maybe a few days after. Um, and it was like a six week, six week recovery for the, um, for my emergency C-section. So I didn't get to go to the hospital as much as I would like during that time. But I think I cried every single visit for the majority of the time, to be honest. Well, how did it feel when you walked into that NICU for the first time? Because it is overwhelming. Um, it, it, it was a little hard to accept um, that this was my life <laughs> and this was going to be my life for an unknown period of time because I had no clue how long she was going to be in the NICU. And it was also really hard, not just because she was there, but it was also seeing all these other little babies that were there, uh, you know, that were sharing this space with her, uh, the babies that were in the incubator and seeing their parents, you know, come in. And it's like, this is, this is what life is. Like, I'm going to have to come and hold her and then I have to leave her in the hospital and just the mm -hmm. fact that I could not bring her home with me day after day after day after day, it was just really, really hard. <laughs> and and how did you navigate those first few weeks of having to be home without getting to the NICU? I mean, I think that's a tough time. I recovered from C-sections too and trying to find that balance of taking care of yourself and trying to get to the NICU as well. So I have to say I have an amazing husband. Um, it, it Like it blows my mind sometimes like how strong he is because I always ask him like, were you not affected by that? Didn't you mm -hmm. feel that? Like you didn't want to cry, <laughs> you know, but he always just seems to be so strong. So I, I can truly say that like I can literally talk to him about like my emotions and my feelings. And if I'm crying, you know, he's like, babe, it's going to be okay. So I am so thankful for him. And also, you know, I'm not originally from Philadelphia. So my, my family, my, my parents are in Miami and I guess the blessing is that they're, um, they're retired. So when this happened to me, my mom was able to come and stay oh, with yeah, me yeah. for, I think she was with me for like six weeks, um, you know, while I was in recovery mode. And then um, she came back again when my daughter was released from the NICU. So my mom was also there to help me. She was driving me around everywhere because I couldn't drive. Uh, you know, she was helping me take a shower because I couldn't bend down. So I, I definitely have some amazing people in my circle. <laughs> That That is big help. That support piece is so important. And some people aren't, you know, we had our, my parents had come in and were able to help us as well. And not everyone has that support network in the same way, but I think find your support network, right? Where are, do you have friends that might be able to help you that are in your neighborhood if you don't have family around, but figuring out how you kind of find those people that can help you. And, um, you know, it's social media, you know, it can be a blessing and a curse, you know, what? 
But, you know, I, I never posted, I never actually posted pictures of my daughter in the NICU. Um, but I did, um, I did keep people updated on like kind of what was happening. And it was just so crazy because of course I, 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 I'm so appreciative because like my social media, you know, family, my extended family, I got a lot of love and a lot of support in that way. And then there were also like friends of mine um, that maybe, you know, we didn't hang out all the time or talk all the time, but people that I was cool with that all of a sudden they were like, oh, my daughter was in the NICU. Oh, I had a premium. I was like, what? I had no idea that they ever had that experience. And, um, you know, even being on the radio, I did speak about my um, situation when I had returned after um, after my recovery process from um, the emergency C-section. And I, I, I told my co-host, Mikey, I was like, record this on video because I might not talk about this again. And um, we posted it, like I posted it on my social media. And then people that I didn't know, again, like slid in my DMs, they were telling me their stories. People called in that day when I talked about it on the radio to share their stories. So it just was really uh, um, comforting. Um, mm -hmm. To know that you're not alone. And it's and it was just crazy to me because, like I said earlier, I I didn't know anybody, you know, when when this happened to me, I didn't know anybody that had any preemie babies that really ever had a NICU experience. And then now to learn that this was so much more common than you really know, but you wouldn't know it was so common until you actually go through it. Yes, yeah, so many people come out of the woodwork that you never knew mm -hmm. experienced the NICU after you you have this experience for sure. So when we look at the NICU experience and just thinking about the medical care team and how you become a part of that team, how did you do that? How did you make sure that you were a part of that team taking care so of the baby? Before I actually had her, um, the, the day that I was admitted into the hospital after my water broke, it was a very overwhelming day because I had like four or five um, doctors come in to talk to me about different things, like different scenarios. One was like um, a NICU doctor that also specialized with breastfeeding. There was another one that, uh, you know, came in to talk about like some resources. It was just a lot. And uh, that particular doctor, her name is Trish. Um, she she was a NICU doctor and a breastfeeding doctor. And I, I don't know what it was, but she was just so endearing and just... Um, very empathetic to, which I'm sure she has been, cause she's been through this so many times with other women, but she was so empathetic to like my emotions that I just really felt drawn to her. And um, she was also one of the NICU doctors that were taking care of my daughter Zara when she ended up in the NICU. And so she immediately, she was like, take my number, call me, whatever you need, I'm here. And I surely took advantage of that. <laughs> I surely did. And of course, I immediately got the NICU, uh, the NICU's number. And the first day that I went into um, the NICU to see her, there was a, a nurse um, named Annie that um, was watching her. And she was just like, I think the thing, and I, I love her. And Annie is like my favorite NICU nurse now. Like I, she can't get rid of me at this point. <laughs> She's she's like extended family. But I think the thing that I loved the most about Annie is like she knew how um, emotional this was for me. But she was like, 
I know it's a lot for you. She was like, but trust me, she's doing so good. She's so strong. And it was like, she didn't disregard my feelings, but at the same time, she was just so, um, she was so, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Just reassuring that like, yes, you, you, I get what you're going through, but trust me, like, she's good. Like she's in good mm -hmm. hands. We have her. And she would always make me feel like that. And, and she also really went above and beyond uh, to send me pictures of my daughter, to send me videos of her when I wasn't there. And so, I mean, I had like, even if I wasn't able to, I still had them like Annie in particular, sending me updates about my daughter. And then I would, of course, call every day, multiple times a day to ask how she's doing. If I couldn't be there, did she have any episodes, you know? Um, so that was that was a lot of what I was doing. And then also... Um, I was saying the NICU Dr. Trish, she was also like a breastfeeding specialist. So it was very important for her that I was breastfeeding, like she was getting, you know, breast milk. Um, and so I was pumping like crazy because she was like, she, you know, her being as young as she is right now, as small as she is, your breast milk is the thing that is going to be most important for her. We have donor milk, you know, we have formula, but we really need to try to give her yours. And so for the first two and a half months, um, two, two and a half months, I was able to do it. And I was able to give her like my breast milk. So I was very thankful for that. That That is really powerful. In fact, we just talked about that on a previous podcast episode about human donor milk and how important it is because 13 years ago, that really wasn't an option. I mean, when we were in the NICU almost 13 years ago, that that option wasn't really there for us as much as it is now. So mm -hmm. I did want to ask you, when you were talking with the medical team and figuring out the path forward and questions that you had, how did you keep track of that? Did you use a journal? Did you use your phone? How did you keep track of all the questions and different things that you needed to ask the medical team? Oh, I definitely used my phone. Um, everything is I got a notepad in my phone. Um, and I'm very forgetful. So uh, anytime that something would pop up in my head, I'm like, oh, let me put that down. Let me let me make sure to ask that. And um, uh, there were definitely times that um, they would call sometimes and tell me something. And it was almost like, so for instance, um, to, kind of towards the ending, actually, um, I was talking to one of the other NICU doctors and just they just breezed through something. And I was like, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Like they talked about her having a hole in her heart. And I was like, when did that happen? Like she had a hole in her heart. I didn't know anything about this. And they were like, it's very common, you know, like. And so as soon as that happened, I started asking questions and I was like writing, you know, putting things in my in my phone. And so aside from the information I was getting from them, I'm like one of those very annoying people that will go to Google and start Googling all kind of stuff. <laughs> so I know the doctors don't particularly like that, but. <laughs> That was like my best friend. Well, and but I do think writing things down, I mean, we talk about that all the time, whether you use your phone, you use a journal, making sure that you are writing everything down that you need to ask the doctor so it gets out of here and onto a piece mm -hmm. of paper or into your phone to make sure that you have that readily available, right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you also had an older son at home when you were going through the NICU. How'd you find the balance? Oh my gosh, that was like another whole like guilt, guilty feeling because if I was at the NICU, I felt guilty that I wasn't at home with him. And if I was at home with him, I felt guilty I wasn't at the NICU with my daughter. Um, but I mean, honestly, it was just kind of like a balance with my husband. If he was at the NICU, I would be home with my son. If he was at home with my son, I'd be at the NICU with 
you know, my daughter. And that's kind of what we had to do. We didn't, we didn't have much leeway to do much else because, you know, as I was saying, like, we don't have family here. So it's not like I could even really be like, come watch, you know, Tristan, while we go, while the two of us go to the NICU, we didn't get um, that luxury very often. So it was normally separately, we would kind of juggle back and forth both. Did your son understand that Sarah was in the NICU or how, how was his understanding of that? You know, up to now, I still don't actually know because he's so young. Um, You know, he was born or he was two years old when she was born. He was about to be two. Um, And he knew mommy was having a baby. Um, And he knew that there was a person that was named Zara (laughs) that was not home, but that we would talk about a lot. I don't know if he knew it was his sister at the time. Um, and because it was in the midst of COVID, we we couldn't bring him. So the only time he would get to see her is if we did like a FaceTime call or, you know, some kind of video call where he would get to see her while she was, you know, in the incubator or when she graduated to the crib, when she was in the crib. Um, and that's kind of it, you know. Um, but we would say like, that's your little sister. That's your little sister. You know, she's going to be home soon. But, you know, him being so young, I I still don't know if he, it really ever registered. Uh, he knows now. <laughs> he knows yeah, now that's his sister sure. for sure. <laughs> How's he doing sharing the stage with his sister, with uh, him be- both being so young? You know what? He he's definitely he loves his sister let me say that but you know he was so used to getting all of the attention that now that he has to share it he's not always happy um like i could tell you the first time um when i had to pick her up from the nicu um i it was very fast right because i had to bring the car seat in she had to do the car seat test and i wasn't sure if she was going to pass it or not um and i was not prepared like we we were like, no, like we have to clean the house. Like we're not ready. And so the, one of the NICU nurses was like, a lot of times they don't always pass the test, you know, ignore, they have to pass it. They have to sit in, I think they said it was like 90 minutes. They have to sit in the car seat. And she was like, most of the time they don't pass it. She passed it on the first try. I was like, oh my gosh, now like we have to clean. We're not ready. But um, I, I ended up picking her up first. And then I went to pick him up from daycare and I took one of his blankets at home because it was very cold to put it on her while we were in the car. Oh my gosh. The minute he came in the car and I was like, this is, you know, Zara, he was like, that's my blanket. I'm like, that's what you're worried about. He, he cried and screamed. He wanted his blanket so bad. He did not want to share that blanket. I had to actually pull the car over and give him his blanket. Thankfully, I had a second one that was not his. But we are still working on the sharing. He does not like to share. Um, And you can tell that he still has a little jealousy. You know, if I sit there and I say like, oh my gosh, because my daughter is getting her first teeth. So I'll say, oh my gosh, look at Zara's getting her teeth. He'll be like, mommy, I got teeth. Look at my teeth. So we're we're at that point right now. But, you know, he he's he does love his sister, but we're working on like the sharing and not being so jealous. Yes, I I understand what you're saying. That is that's a tough that's a tough role. And then being so close too, I yeah. think that adds a different dynamic as, as well. All right. So you're out of the NICU. What does it look like now? What what appointments do you have? How are you getting through those? What's it look like in life for you all now? Um, so we definitely go see the pediatrician more than any other doctor. 
Um, I feel like we're there every month, to be honest with you. Um, sometimes multiple times a month because uh, if there's something going on with her, they don't like playing around. You know, it's like, just bring her in. Let us see her. She um, she had like a, you know, had a daycare cold. I mean, and it was like eyes watering, runny nose, coughing, sneezing. And they were just like, just please bring her in. Like, we just want to make sure she's good. We don't want to take any chances. So, you know, I go there even when I don't necessarily have a scheduled appointment. Um, so that's that's the definitely the doctor I see the most. She has seen the eye doctor um, twice so far since she's been out. Um, she has seen the cardiologist, uh, once and she has another appointment coming up in the next two months. And then she has also seen, um, like had an appointment for snaps, uh, special needs. And I can't remember what the AP is, but special needs. And basically she met with a physical therapist and an occupational therapist to make sure that like, she's at the point she's supposed to be at milestone wise, um, I mean, of course, her she is, you know, in terms of age, 10 months now, but she's, you know, not functioning as a 10 month old at the moment. So mm -hmm. she's more mm -hmm. at a seven month level. So they just wanted to at least make sure that she was, you know, at that point and doing, you know, what she should be doing. So, um, you know, she has appointments, a good amount, but I have to say I am blessed, you know, in terms of my job, you know, because me being on the radio, I do the morning show. So it's like six to 10. I have to be at work and I do more than just that. I, you know, I have other shows I have to record, but I can be flexible with those. So if I have to schedule an appointment, I could say, OK, let me record more today so that I have a little more time tomorrow so that I'm not going to be tied up and I can take her to the appointments and it won't be an issue. And that it, it's kind of worked out well that way. Oh, that's great. It, there can be a lot of appointments post NICU, yeah. right? <laughs> yes. And she's also I mean, I don't have to be there, thankfully, for this, but she is also seeing a physical therapist every every week that goes to her daycare. So that is also a huge help with her uh, development. That's great. It is. It, we oftentimes talk about it being this chunk of time, Roxy, to get through. So you're in the NICU and then you get through that chunk of time. And then post NICU, there are specialists and early intervention, oh, physical therapy, right? All the things. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't yeah. stop. And from what I understand, because, you know, this is obviously my first experience is that they this continues until I think they're three. Mm -hmm. At least three, at least three. I wanted to ask you a little bit, if we step back a minute and you think about delivering early, you know, a lot of us as as uh, parents, as moms going through and, and delivering a baby early, sometimes we have that guilt factor. I know looking back when, when I delivered, it was really hard. I went, oh my gosh, I think I decorated our house for Christmas. I went, oh, I lifted all these boxes. I shouldn't have lifted these boxes. You know, all these things kind of go racing through your mind of, things that you could have done that could have caused the delivery or I should have done this, should have done that. And of course, all of it, we have to get out of our minds and not feel that guilt. But did you feel that guilt? How did, how have you worked through it? You talk to us about that a little bit. I am still going through it. Um, it was definitely worse than it was. It was worse before than it is now, but I am definitely going through it. Um, so I, okay. So I, my, my brother lives in Orlando and I, I had gone to uh, Orlando for Thanksgiving. And while I was there, I started spotting and I felt a little bit of pain. And 
I think back and I'm like, I don't remember if I was feeling the pain before that weekend or if it started that weekend. But I mean, I knew, you know, that the my OBGYNs have all had always said, like, even, you know, with my son, if you start spotting, go to the hospital. And in my mind, I was like, it's not a big deal. I'm not, you know, I'll, I'll wait because I had an OBGYN appointment on the Tuesday that I came back from uh, Thanksgiving. So I was like, oh, you know, it's probably nothing. So I didn't go to the hospital while I was in Orlando. I came back. I worked an entire day uh, on Monday. And then at the end, I was like, you know what? Let me just call, I'll, you know, and they were like, go to the hospital. Like if you come here tomorrow for your appointment and you're spotting, we are going to tell you to go to the hospital. So I went and the spotting turned out to be nothing, but that's when I learned that I was having contractions. And I was like, what? I thought the pain was just my daughter being big. <laughs> I had no idea. And then shortly after that, um, my water broke the next day. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a lot of guilt because I was like, what if I had gone to the hospital when I was in Orlando? Maybe they could have done something then and I wouldn't have you know, my my water wouldn't have broken. And uh, when we were flying to Orlando, um, my son was under two. So he was sitting on my lap and he was leaning back on me on my stomach. And so in my mind, I was like, maybe that was it. Maybe he was leaning back on me too hard or he moved too hard or something. And that caused it. Um, I know that I will never know what why it happened. Um, you know, I have, I've had the conversation multiple times with the NICU doctors and they basically told me unless you had an infection or unless you fell or you got kicked or something like that in your stomach, those would be the only reasons that we could tell you for sure. This is why you delivered early. But other than that, we just don't know. So yeah, I'm still, I'm still dealing with it. Like, what did I do wrong? I still sometimes think about it and, you know, in my mind, like, did something else happen that I don't remember? Like, what what did I do to cause this? And like, looking back at the pictures of her in the NICU does not help (laughs) because when I sit there and I just look at how small she was and I'm just like, this, maybe this didn't have to happen if I did something different. Mm -hmm. It is a, it's, it's a hard thing to work through. I mean, it's not our fault. It is what each of us experienced. All of us have different different journeys through the NICU and different stories to tell around it. But it is a it's a hard thing to get through with that with that guilt. And I think the important thing is to know that you're not alone. Listeners who are out there that have delivered early. You're talking about it. I talked about it. it all of us are in it together. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I did want to ask you one of the big questions that I know I've heard over the years. I went back to work after Claire came home and I wanted to ask you, how did you manage going back to work? How did it feel going back to work after the NICU? Uh, So this is such like a kind of like a touchy subject for me. Um, So I, I ended up kind of going back to work twice, right? Because I took off for the recovery of my emergency C-section. I was gone for six weeks and then I went back to work while she was still in the NICU. And I think I worked for a month and a half before they ended up letting her go. And so then I took off again. Um, It's not easy, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's even harder when your baby is a preemie. But I, I feel like living in this country, you are programmed that this is just how it is. Like your baby is born and you get 
two months, three months time off, and then you got to go back to work. Like that, we're just programmed that that's that's what it is. And it upsets me, <laughs> to be honest, because I feel like, you know, the U.S. just doesn't care about moms and the bond with their children, their babies and fathers. Like, I just don't think that this country gives families enough time with their kids to bond before it's time to go back to work. Like I have family that live in Canada. And I remember when I posted that I was back at work, my cousins messaged me like, what are you talking about? You just had your baby like three weeks, three months, three months ago. And I'm like, that's how it is. I mean, in Canada, they get an entire year off with pay and legally you cannot give their job away. So I, it's a touchy subject for me because Mm -hmm. I just feel like, Parents deserve more respect. Moms deserve more respect. Dads deserve more respect to have time to bond with their babies. It's just not enough time. So, but I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, like I think we're just programmed when you live here that this is just what it is. You get, you know, hopefully three months, you know, off before you go back to work because there's a lot of uh, companies that don't provide a maternity leave, you know, or if you don't have leave of absence, you know, you might not get paid if you take time off. So it's just a lot of factors. But I I thankfully um, did have leave of absence. I did have maternity leave with my job. Um, So I was able to take essentially three months and then I was able and then I went back to work. So I, I at least got three months with my daughter before I went back. That is, it is a hard transition to go back. I, it was the same, you know, go, I, I also took two times off of going back mid NICU and then post NICU. Right. And it, it is a, it is a hard transition for sure. And um, you always wish that you have more time. And I, I think you said it the right way, that kind of programming of, of going back. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, how is your daughter doing today? She's amazing. She is amazing. I, I, I really cannot ask for more. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for the entire journey, to be honest. I mean, in one breath, I would not wish this on anybody, but in the same breath, I, it has opened me up to today's a good day. Like this amazing organization and like all of the uh, amazing uh, moms and dads and families that have gone through the same journey. Um, you create bonds that you would never have had before. Um, you, you are more aware of certain things that you would never have been aware of before. So I'm thankful for the journey. And, you know, my daughter really never had any major, major problems being in the NICU. Um, and since she's come out, she's been great. You know, she's, um, she's healthy. She's happy. You know, she's eating purees now. She's almost on the verge of crawling, (laughs) you know? So she's, she's great. She's great. I mean, every time I take her to the doctor, it's just like, like, you know, great, great reviews across the board. So I'm, I'm so thankful. She's given her older brother a hard time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> well, I just want to open it up just before we finish up our conversation here. Any other advice you want to give to other NICU families who might be listening in that are just embarking on their NICU journey? What do you want to say to them? Oh, gosh, I want to say that it may seem hard or even impossible right now, but trust me, there is 
there's a light at the end of the tunnel. There really is. And you don't have to go through it alone. There are so many incredible people um, that are in your corner that you don't even know about, that are on your team, that are here to support you. Take advantage. <laughs> I'm here. Today is a good day is here. <laughs> yes, yeah, I love that. I love that. Yes, I love that. Well, thank you so much, Roxy, for being here with us today. Thanks for sharing your story, all of your feedback and recommendations and, and just about your family's personal experience. Really grateful for you and so glad that we've become connected. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to the Nick You Today podcast brought to you by Today is a Good Day. Learn more at todayisagoodday.org.